Welcome to Lounge, Lift, Learn, Real Talk with Black Therapists, where we have conversations that uplift, inspire, and empower. I'm Lysandra. And I'm Shelby. Welcome to the lounge. So if you're just now tuning in to this amazing podcast, we had an episode right before this one about sexual assault. And the reason I'm saying this is because this is the part two. Right. So in the previous episode, we talked about the myths, the facts of sexual assault. So you probably should go back and check that out. But if you already checked it out, here we go. We're moving forward. So today we're going to be talking about the cultural implications of sexual assault. What do I mean by that? Well, now that we know what it is and what it's not, we're going to talk about how it impacts your family. How does it impact you? What does it mean for the sexual assault victim or survivor? And what do we do moving forward? I like it. And, okay, so as much as we read off statistics as we started last week's podcast, we're only going to read three. But before we do and that— And I didn't mean to say last week. I meant the last one. The last one. I know. I'm so— <laughs> my words. So before we do that, though, I have to put out a trigger warning. Yeah. Completely forgot to do that, so I'm glad I caught that. So what is a trigger warning? A trigger warning is basically saying that the topics we're talking about, it's going to be heavy. Sexual assault is not easy to talk about. Sometimes it will make you remember something that has happened to you or maybe something that you have done. God forbid, but hey, that happens. Um, But it just means that it might trigger an emotional response or a physical response. And if you feel you need to take a break from this episode, please do so. If you need to shut it down completely, do what you need to do to take care of yourself, right? And if you feel at the end of this episode, it was a lot to take in, you need extra support, please get that from a therapist, a trusted family member or community member, and do what you need to do to be okay. All right. Um, I'm going to start this with, um, well, we've already started. I'm going to start the conversation off with the same disclaimer. Um, If you have been um, a victim of sexual assault um, or you know someone, RAIN.org is a very helpful resource. So RAIN.org is R-A-I-N-N.org. So RAIN.org, we received a lot of our statistics that we quoted last um, podcast from RAIN.org and OurResilience.org. And so we highlight that because there's a lot of information. There's way more than what we could cover in the two podcasts, Um, but we knew it was heavy and so we didn't want to run this into one big long podcast. So we thank you for sticking with us. We thank you because <clears throat> the cultural implications of this are big and so getting the facts and the figures down was important, but now we need to 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 help you all move forward, right? Um and so that's what we want to do. But here's where I'm going to start. I'm going to give you three more stats, and they're important because they're going to highlight the rest of this conversation. Um, So we want you to know that the effects of childhood sexual abuse um, can be long-lasting and affect the victim's mental health, and that victims are more likely than non-victims to experience the following mental health challenges. Um, They're about four times more likely to develop some Drug abuse addiction or drug abuse without the addiction, but they're more likely to abuse drugs. 
You should see the way that was written. Um, Four times more likely to experience PTSD in adulthood, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. And about three times more likely to experience a major depressive episode as an adult. Um, That's really important because the things that happen to us in our childhood have a long-term effect on not just us, but our families. And if it has a long-term effect on our family, then that means it has a long-term effect on culture. So let me just bring in my therapist experience for a second, because a lot of times people are like, yeah, uh, something might have happened, you know, back when I was four or five or kind of thought that something strange was going on. But that was back then. Like, I don't need to talk about it. And I'm like, whoa, well, let's kind of talk about why you have this need to control everything in your life right now. You lost a lot of control back then. And so I only bring that up to say it's not just something we throw to the back of our mind to get rid of, right? It emphasizes what Lysandra is saying, what the statistics are saying, and you really got you really got to dive in and do the work to realize what's happening for you. So that's a thing. All right. So um, Shelby, do you want me to start right there with the... Let's jump in with how we see sexual assault show up in society. What okay. What is very obvious to you? Okay. So what's obvi- um. obvious? Oh, she's trying to be young, y'all. I love it. <laughs> she tried it. <laughs> what's really obvious, um, and I do have to highlight, you know, because most of our life is lived online, right? Um, so social media, here we are. So um, I recall when the it could have been Bill Cosby, it could have been R. Kelly. I mean, it, unfortunately, it's always happening. But when that broke, that news broke years ago, um, I was looking at the responses, the way people defend celebrities who are accused of rape um, and how they talk about the victim of that and how it impacts their family and their friends. Like, it was really alarming. I think that's the the best word. It was really alarming for me to see how people responded and 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 stood 10 toes down for a person they never knew um because they played an act a role on TV or because they sang a song that they liked. But you don't know them. And so you have all of these people and the more and, and what was so for both, what was so I don't even know what word to put here, so I apologize. I was so thrown off by the, the the trajectory. So if it's one person, it's not enough, right? Like, who's gonna believe you? Yeah, right. She's just trying to get some clout. Ooh, she good. said yeah. R. Kelly did this to her or Bill Cosby, whatever. But then 15 people or 25 people come out, and then the response is. I don't believe them. I mean, all of them. And uh, you know what? She looked like a hoe. She looked like she was asking for it. Like all of the things that ran into the myths last week. Um, so it's it's the responses for me, Shelby. They're so they're so unkind, and and they're how do we back somebody we don't even know? You know, it, it's interesting that you bring up Bill Cosby and R. Kelly, because in the black community, there's a lot of defending these black men, mm-hmm. right? And, and I bring that layer of race into it yeah, it's because it's so complex, yeah. right? Like we want to defend our black men. We want our men to be successful. But let me just reiterate, not at the hands of abusing others, not the hands of 
are black women yeah. or other black boys. Who knows? There might be boys involved in those cases. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I agree. I was also taken aback by how we defended the perpetrator, mm-hmm. the accused perpetrator, however we need to say it. Violently. Violently, violently did they support them. The hurtful piece is one in five women, females, I interchangeable for right now, um, are victims of sexual assault. And so that means if I, I have four si- sisters, mm-hmm. one of us has been a victim. And actually, I know that two of us already has, right? Just mm-hmm. putting that out there, mm-hmm. that you have people, friends, family members that are on Facebook who have experienced this, mm-hmm. and now they can't tell you. Right. Or now they question if you even believed that what they told you was real. Yeah. Y'all are foolish. Yeah. <laughs> we like to use that word, but it's so true. Yeah, because because here we go. Cultural implication. You show up as a person who's not dependable or trustworthy. You're not a friend. You're not safe. You're not safe. Because yeah. if I come and tell you that this horrible, horrid thing happened to me, but you think that they're really cool, or Mark thinks whoever Mark is, that they're like a really good guy, then it's like, well, Lysandra is a little dramatic. So was it I'm dramatic and animated? Who the heck wants to make up being assaulted? Yeah. Or uh, going back to the Facebook post, though, if you like Mark and you know him personally, mm-hmm. why would you believe me when you defended Bill Cosby and you don't know him? Yeah. Y'all, it's just not... The math ain't mathin'. The math ain't mathin'. Because you don't even know Bill. Don't even. And you you riding hard for Bill. But you know who is paying attention to you? While you're not paying attention, your daughter. So when the piano teacher or the gymnastics coach or the whomever that is in the circle, because as we covered in the previous podcast, 90% of the time, it is not a stranger. It's not. It's not. So... Then I, I, I question mm-hmm. um, this piece of how do victims show up? So if you're not safe enough for me to tell you, yeah, why, why would I tell anybody? And you were my dad or you were yeah. my mom. You were my sister. Mm-hmm. And they may not report, which goes back to our last episode, mm-hmm. right? But how, how am I going to respond? So first and foremost, I want to talk about how gender and race intersect, mm-hmm. how they come together on this topic. Yeah. So. Black women have been hypersexualized since, ooh, since forever. But in America, Slavery. since we were brought over here, right? Slavery mm-hmm. preach. So, say a little bit more about that piece. I, I think that um, violence and assault, sexual assault, is in the very fabric, in the very fiber of the being of America. I think that to bring over a a a, a people and rape them and force them into slave labor and or to complete genocide on the people who were here, um, the, the, the slavery stories of, and, and that's such a, a poor way to say it, that the, the experiences that the enslaved people had where they're being raped by slave masters and their husbands are being raped and their husband is turned into a buck to to go and take that person. And so it's like, is my body mine? So 
the white women weren't slaves. You know, even like this idea that like black women in slavery could be wet nurses. Like I will nurse all of your babies. Like my breasts are not even mine to give consent to. Right, like it's so loaded, and I it's and I don't so want to stay it in slavery, mm-hmm. but it has implications, mm-hmm. which means that like we still look at black women as if their bodies don't belong to them, and we don't need to believe them when they say things about their bodies. Well, Shelby, it's when you say hypersexualized. I mean, okay, all right, I'm a black chick, y'all all know this, and I have been skinny, like, and I'm skinty, like just. Skinny, like the light, tea, not po- the skin with, tea. The tea, with the tea. I have been skinny <laughs> my entire life. Now, why am I saying that? Because growing up black, oh. <laughs> what you really want is the hips, the butt, and the thighs, and the nice boobies. I had none of that. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I had none of that. However, I got cousins out there, and one of them, she know I'm talking about it. If she listens to this, I'm talking about you. Yes, you. Because I'm always like, it just ain't even fair. Her hips. Ooh, my look. I'm so jealous. Like I have I those cousins too. I couldn't get a hip because the good Lord gave them all to her. Right? However... Here's the other side to that. Or cousins who are heavily endowed in the booby area. Here's the other side to that. When they start growing their shape in third grade and fourth grade, they don't know what to do with hips and butt and boobs. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not looking at it sexually. However, our young Black girls are looked at very differently than young white girls. Yes. And I'm not saying that their bodies don't mature. I'm saying, is it in the fabric? Is it back there in the fabric when white slave owners were helping themselves to black bodies that we continue to look at it and we hypersexualize her to the place where now she internally hypersexualizes herself? Oh, what breaks my heart, and so I'm going to take a little bit of a different direction, but it's still hypersexuality, okay? So, so work with, let me know if this makes sense. Mm-hmm. But even this idea that like her body is developing and that's so natural and normal mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we should be proud that this thing is happening, but then to know that we have to like cover it up or sit a certain way or do things so that people don't yeah. become predators yeah. to her. She can't even like sit in her body yeah. without having to think like, how do I need to act or hold myself? Or how can I dance a certain way so people don't think that I'm bringing them on to me? Like, it is sad yeah. that our babies can't just grow. Yeah. And, and... To be a, a 13-year-old or 14-year-old, uh, heavily endowed, and men are hitting on you. Crazy. And, you're, and and they're looking at you like, hey, girl, I'm a child. I know I may not look like a child, but I'm, I'm right. 13. I've even heard people say, like, all right, we'll, we'll just, we'll, it can't wait till she's 18. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. hell, you pedophile. Like, right. Do you want me to call you what it is? Right. That's what that is. Like, I think I've seen, like, some celebrities talk about that, about other celebrities like Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. That's a white woman. But, like, mm-hmm. it could happen with anybody. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I'm just, I'm over yeah. the hypersexuality. So that plays a role in how you're going to respond to black women or all women yeah. being assaulted. Because yeah. you might feel in your heart, it might be, like, ingrained in you yeah. that women's bodies are not are not theirs to say what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this loss of control. It's not my body. So 
molestation. If it started when I was four and I don't even remember it. Um, I don't remember when it started, but it went until I was in eighth grade. Um, what that sets up is a voicelessness, a helplessness that I'm helpless to stopping it. Um, maybe I told somebody and they did nothing because we hear that all the time, unfortunately. Like, like we hear this all the time um, in our offices. And so what they learn is why should I speak up when my voice wasn't valued in those major moments? What, I, I've lost my voice. And let me just clarify, you know, we're talking about the impact of sexual assault to the people who come into therapy and things yeah. like that. But this isn't just, I've lost my voice regarding my body. Right. Right. Like I, I want to broaden how this looks. Yeah. It's, I lost my voice in terms of telling my boss I can't stay late. Yeah. I lost my voice in telling, you know, my best friend that I didn't like when she said that. Mm -hmm. I lost my voice in saying that I don't like this type of food. I lost my voice in saying whatever it is, it's general voicelessness, mm -hmm. not in just the context of sex. And when I lose my voice, I think I'm not allowed to have boundaries. None. None. So I'm too afraid to say no to you because when I, when I tried to say no back then, nobody listened. So what's the point? Right, right. So I can't make any decisions with confidence, which just leads to I need to now rely on everybody else to make decisions for me. Why don't you think for yourself? That was that was worked out of me. Right. And again, to clarify, because I don't some of y'all might not be hearing what we're trying to say. Just because you have lack of confidence does not mean you've been sexually assaulted. Right. Like, right. Like, I don't want you to be like, oh, let me dive in and try to figure out. No, like that can happen all by itself. Like, there's reasons why that happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're talking about specific to sexual assault victims. Yeah. Um, this idea of, you know, I need I need help in making decisions, just what Lysandra talked about. Mm -hmm. Like, this, this comes up too much, too much. And then we have to work on boundary setting skills. We have to work on why it's okay to say no. How do you say no? It's so much work. So please just, just get the extra help. Shelby, just learning how to use your voice. Let me just tell you, I want to I wanna timeline something for people. Um, it takes years, years in therapy to rebuild your voice. When I have lost my voice or I didn't know I had a voice, I am so used to tuning me out. I am so used to being tuned in to what everybody else yes. is thinking. And let me show you how that comes from a place of trauma. Before I have words, before I have language, before anybody listens to me, this trauma happens, right? Um, with, with whomever that we know. Because again, the big number, it's the people we know. Yeah. So this thing happens to me and I lose my voice and I lose, I, I, nobody's pouring into me, nothing good. Um, and now I've lost my voice. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to feel. And now I'm in some <clears throat> therapist's office who's telling me I need to think about myself. That is um, out of the stratosphere. I don't know how to think of myself. So I've used this, I've used this analogy with many people that when you have lost your voice, I want everybody to imagine with me. Um, imagine yourself sitting in a corner in a room, bound and gagged, and you're able to see everything. Mm -hmm. You're able to see 
the abuser. You're able to see the mom, the dad, the aunt, the teacher, the police officer that wouldn't help you. You're able to see all of them, but you can't speak. So when the abuser comes over, he has his way and he walks off. And now nobody's abusing you. The abuser's gone. I'm grown. But what am I? I am still that age, trapped in a corner, bound and gagged. So when you come into my office, I have to introduce you to the little girl or the little boy and start to just, hey, let's just sit with them. Let's go and sit with them. Ask them if they want to be close. This might sound kooky to you, but the real reality is we get locked, stunted in a a developmentally. We get stunted and we're trapped here and our inner child has to heal. And so I can give you and fix all, put all the bandages on you I want to, but if we never go back and heal that inner child, she's gonna or he's gonna continue to sit there. So the same way it takes years, Shelby has little bitty children, it takes years to learn how to speak. It takes years to find voice. The babies are like, eh, you're like, what? That sounds like baby dinosaur. <laughs> like, <laughs> fine. What do they sound like? Because you got them in your house. <laughs> well, my little one right now is like, hi, mom, or bye-bye. And it's very basic. How about that? Like, just the simple. Okay, but before mama came out and it was just sound, what did it sound like? It sounds like, hmm, and all that, right? Right. So it, it's it's... Going to take time. I completely agree with Lysandra. And a lot of times my clients don't even realize a sexual assault has happened Mm -hmm. to them. Sometimes it takes years of just therapy, working on the other stuff. And then they say, oh, yeah, I have this memory. Yeah. And then they share the sexual assault because it's so shameful for a lot of victims to realize that this occurred with especially someone they're close to. Right. And so I agree with all of those pieces. But now it's like, how do we how do we begin to break these curses yep. because it just follows from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's getting healed. Nobody's doing the work. Right. And then we just continue to allow, allow it to happen. So what what's going on? Well, when we're not able to address the truth or handle the truth or deal with the truth when we're children, um, we have children and we still follow that pattern. So they can't speak truth to us. Um, and then what do they, they don't know how to handle truth. We also don't know <clears throat> that we're strong enough to survive it. Oh, I love that statement. Like we, we can handle the difficult stuff, yeah, right? We, yeah. We don't even know that we can handle it. Does it hurt? Heck yes, yeah. It's hard. Yes. It utterly hurts, but we can handle it. Like nobody who's ever broken their foot or back was like, yeah, sign me up for that. But you survive it because we are really meant to survive. Humans are resilient. Yeah. Anyway. We definitely are, but I agree. Like we have to do the healing work ourselves. So mm-hmm. this is how I watch it show up, Lysandra. Okay. And, and it's quite interesting. It's all right. Let's, let's start with the grandparent generation. Grandparents don't talk about anything sexual. It's forbidden, the good Lord, you, you abstinence, blah, 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 right? And then, um, but, but grandma was assaulted yeah. as a child. Yeah. But she doesn't want to talk about it. So then my, parent generation, mm-hmm. right? Let's just call her, that's the children. The parent generation goes in and they have been assaulted as well because nobody talked to them about it. Mm-hmm. But 
instead of not talking to their children, they're going to be way overprotective, mm-hmm. and they're going to not let their kid go to any sleepovers. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be close to family, um, and they might they not, they might not talk about it actually, but they're doing something about it in their mind. Right. But then we create children who are sheltered and don't know what's in the outside world, and then a sexual assault happens again because they've been so sheltered, and it's a family member. Like, it ju- we we got to own it. Yeah. And we got to share our traumas because what's happening is a lot of girls don't even realize that their mom can relate to what happened to them. Yeah. They're afraid and they're ashamed. But how we break shame is by connection. Yeah. The thing we cannot talk about holds power over us. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so I need to talk with my daughter and I need to talk to my granddaughters. And so even if grandma couldn't do it, you're a grandma now. You do it. Even if mama couldn't do it, you're a mama now. You do it. You're an aunt now. You do it. You you know what I mean? Like, we have to be open to giving voice. Um, I don't, I don't, I want people to realize that molestation is not a normal part of life. And so when you've grown up in a family that has that curse passing through the generations, you think it's normal. You think everybody does that. Everybody gets touched and challenged. Everybody don't. That's not normal. No, but you're right. Like if we if we're not talking about it, then how am I spo- not supposed to know? Right. That how am I supposed to know that it's not normal? Yeah. Right. So we we need to start talking to our children at younger ages, age appropriate education, which we'll jump into. But mm-hmm. the the reality is, like you guys have a duty to make sure that the next generation realizes, like we're going to speak out against sexual assault at all costs. Yeah. And so, it, like I said this earlier. I'm always going to say it. So if it bothers you, I I guess you should get over it. Um, For Black people, it does go back to the slavery because it's in the DNA. It's in the DNA of the Black family in America. Like there's no way to not have to deal with the repercussions. If I robbed a store, there are repercussions and, and not just me going to jail, me going to jail, but I may have had children out here. So now my children are growing up without me. And so now somebody else may be raising my children. The chil- the street may be raising my children. So now they can't eat. So now they're robbing us. And so it passes. It's in the fabric of the DNA and it continues. And so for, for me... It's, I, I say this, or Shelby said this, one of us said this, but the loss of our voice, it's in the DNA. It's in the generational trauma. And so we, we, we continue to use our voices to honor the pain of our ancestors. Like, I'm not going to stop that. talking until we destroy the curse. If I know that you're molesting babies, I'm putting you on blast. If I know that you're a rapist, I'm putting you on blast. I'm not keeping it a secret. Don't tell me. Don't tell Lysandra if you and her family, if you don't want anybody to know. Yeah. Because absolutely. I'm telling. Why? Because I don't want that person helping themselves through the family. Yeah. I think there's there's heartbreak. I, my heart breaks a lot, y'all. Yeah. Uh, but there's heartbreak in that for me yeah. of um, honoring the pain that our ancestors experienced. Right? I think for me, it's like... Wow, they weren't allowed to have any voice when it came. They could have been killed or whipped or lynched, sold. like the sold, like heart, like the heartbreak of how they experienced that, mm-hmm. and to know that we have different, like um, different parts of our voices, mm-hmm. different privileges 
to be able to say no more. Yeah. And to know that we still choose to keep secrets Mm -hmm. is heartbreaking. Yeah. Like we have power in different ways today. Maybe not the most power, Mm -hmm. but I I want to acknowledge that in that in that way and that we we have a duty. Yeah. And so and so be to highlight, I'm I I know that I have a voice. It's why I wanted to do a podcast. I know that I have things to say. I know that I have the ear of people. I God has given me that assignment. He's gifted me there, and I thank him for it. Um, I know the value and the power in my voice, and my parents knew the value in my voice. So I was never discouraged to, from using the voice. Again, I think I've said this in the past. They they helped me shape how to use it. But now that I have, now that I, not only now that I have my voice, because I know the power of my voice, it's why I want to empower other people to use their voice. Like that is important to me. It, it I don't, don't try to silence me. I'm not going to go silent. Nope. I'm not going to go silent and I don't want you to go silent. And so I'm going to always support. That is why we uplift inspire and empower your voice matters what happens when a parent has experienced assault sexual assault or trauma mm-hmm. i'm gonna start calling it sexual trauma if that's okay sure um experiencing sexual trauma they lost their voice we talked about voicelessness and mm-hmm. lack of control and all those pieces and they never get the help or the healing mm-hmm. to find a voice what happens to our babies what happens to our children? Because if I don't have a voice, I can empower you to have a voice. Right. And then we continue that nasty cycle mm-hmm. of um, the, the sexual, what do we call it? Uh, rape culture, mm-hmm. right? Sexual assault culture mm-hmm. around like the, the be quiet about it. Don't tell. Um, your body's not yours. You got to do, you got to do your work first. Yeah, yeah. If I don't have a voice, how can I teach my little Taylin, he's two years old, to have a voice about what's appropriate and what's not? Yeah. And yeah. so you can see, like, the, the silencing is put in play or, it, you know, it is part of the system to allow sexual assault to continue to happen. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And it's a brave choice to break your silence. Let mm-hmm. me just emphasize that. It yeah. is a courageous choice. It, it can be a scary choice, but it's a choice that really heals yourself and you deserve healing. Absolutely. So for all of our survivors who are out there listening, we want to validate and we want to normalize your pains. Um and the impacts of that trauma. Um, and we want to help you to rebuild your self-esteem so that you can believe in you. Like, I want everybody that's listening right now to repeat after me, I believe in me now. I believe in me now. You know? I'm listening to you too. Yeah. yeah I hear you. you I believe in me. Yeah. It has to start with you believing in you. As, as it's to, to go to what Shelby is saying, because I cannot teach my little baby to believe in them. If I don't believe in me, because I don't even, I miss the mark. I don't even think about it. But check this out. Yeah. So if I don't have a voice and I'm not doing the work, mm-hmm. I don't even realize what types of things are trying to silence me. Yeah. Right? Because I'm not pushing the boundaries. Yeah. I'm not trying to figure that out because I'm stuck in my trauma. And yeah. this is how I survived was my silence, was my voicelessness, right? Yeah. It got me through in that moment and it might have felt functional back then, but it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to gain that voice back yeah. and figure this out, it's going to freak you out <laughs> of true. who is trying to silence you and who's, you know, crossing boundaries. Yeah. And again, going back to Lysandra's point of how therapy and healing works, it's going to take time. Yeah. And you need to be very patient with how your body is learning to 
is unlearning yeah. uh, functional, well, dysfunctional ways mm-hmm. and relearning how to walk in your, your true path and walk in this new voice. It's, Absolutely. It's going to take time. Baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. Um, so, Shelby, I'm going to help you. Uh, I, I help clients reintroduce themselves to themselves. Oh, that's so, cool. How about this? Say, hey, Shelby, meet Shelby. Hey, Shelby, meet Shelby. Free from the distortions. Oh, am I supposed to be saying this like yes! a prayer? Okay. Yes! Uh, free from the distortions. And the lies. And the lies. That I once believed about myself. That I once believed about myself. Based on this trauma. And so for everybody, here's what we want you to do. We want you to reintroduce yourself. Because why- Can you please drop the Jay-Z line? Because of all this singing that you've done and rapping, you can't allow me to- No, you don't- Dang, allow me to reintroduce myself. That's how it goes. That's how you should have said it. I'm so embarrassed listen. that she didn't even catch on. Well, listen, okay. You know, I, I come for Shelby a lot as a millennial. Uh, I don't listen to Jay-Z, so I can't. But you were the Jay-Z generation. I didn't listen to Jay-Z, so I can't. Okay. My well, brother I did it for y'all because I know someone wanted her to do that. Oh, my brother would have done. Like, he loved Jay. I didn't listen to Jay-Z, so I couldn't have. I'm like, you even did it, and I was like, I, I don't know what she was Embarrassing. Like, Go on. Go on. <laughs> so all I'm saying is in, reintroduce yourself. Why? Because the person that you have been is not the person that you're going to be. It's mm-hmm. not the person that you will be going forward. So it's it's it's... And please don't think you have to do it alone. Um, this is why we're here. Let me tell you, we don't go into this field because of money. This is not a money-making field. Ooh, I'm getting rich. Nope. That's not what we do. So we're here because we care. We are donating our time, doing a podcast to help the masses because we care. Period. And point blank. Because I have a voice. Because my mother and my father said, this little girl here, don't shut up. <laughs> Shout out to all the kids that got checks for talking while they were in school. <laughs> oh, Lord. We knew it was you. We knew you fit that description. <laughs> like, so you got to, you, but for real sincerely, um, you got to see yourself free. And, and not just free, but free from all the lies based upon the trauma that you believed about yourself. Because you deserve to have a voice. You deserve to be here. You deserve to thrive. You deserve to show up in living color. Don't do it. Don't live in color. You can do what you want. She's picking and choosing. I'm going to need her to get a little bit more hip. All right, Michelle. Okay. All right. All right. Now what? So, well, well, let me me add this piece because um, you're you're saying really good stuff, really Uh valuable, big stuff. But... The basic question I always tell my clients to ask themselves is, what message did I take in about myself or what message did I learn about myself based on what happened to me, mm-hmm. right? And when I ask them that, they can really sit in this idea of, I learned that my voice didn't matter, yeah. right? Like, And so that's why I put that question out there because yeah, yeah. ask yourself that, whether it's sexual assault, whether it's another form of trauma, mm-hmm. but those messages, that internal dialogue you have with yourself really shapes how you're going to show up in the world. Yeah. And we want you to show up your best self. Absolutely. Shelby, I'm glad you said that. Um, a lot of what people think we do for a living and what we actually do for a living are very, very they're not the same. No. Um, so what the vast majority of people think we do for a living it's not what we do. Say it. What, what do they think we do? They think we give advice. 
They think we tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. There's two of the things I heard. We don't do either one. Okay. Um, I would love to tell people, run, girl, run, just run. But I, I can't. It's not. <laughs> it's not my place. <laughs> so it's not. It's not even my job to fix you. You are not nope. a broken tire. Nope. You understand what I'm saying? So what we do is we support and we help people and we walk them from a place of of woundedness and hurt and pain and brokenness into their most healthy self. Like that is what we do. And that's science. That's that's how do we use the science of psychology to help a person move from here to there that involves planning, that involves treatment plans, that involves yeah. scientific things. Like we are really working. However, let me just let you know this. When you're really good at it, you don't feel like you're Working like when you sit in the office with Lysandra or Shelby, because I just love how she operates. Oh. It feels like a chit chat. Oh yeah, it feels very much like a chit chat, and I'm very intentional with that. I want you to feel as relaxed as possible because the work that you have to do outside of the one hour you see me is intense. Because I'm paradigm shifting you. I know the things to ask you. I know the things to spark you into a different way of thinking. So when she says. So what things? I want to get at those beliefs. I want to get at who told you that you couldn't speak? Who told you that you couldn't say no? Yeah. Who told you you were stuck there? Where did that come from? It is the fundamental question yeah. of, of what what your belief system, mm-hmm. where your belief system came from. Yeah. What is it currently and what is currently up, like upholding that belief system that mm-hmm. you don't want or has that isn't serving you yeah. right now? Do you still want that? Exactly. And why do you want Y'all, that? Y'all, the art of so there's the science behind yeah. therapy, but there's an art yeah. in asking the right question when we kind of, we know like the education behind some of the traumas you're experiencing, Yeah. right? Even though it's very unique to you, mm-hmm. like we're there to validate, support, and just get you to the place that you want to be in. Absolutely. So. I love therapy. I, I just love I it so love much. I just had to like, therapy. I know. shameless plug. I know, I know. And I've been in this for quite a while, and I have not lost my love for it. Um, oh. I love I love teaching young clinicians now, too. Um, so, Shelby, how do you help your babies if you avoid it? Ooh, ooh, I, I don't think you do. I don't think you are helping your babies if you're avoiding mm-hmm. topics, right? Avoiding your healing, first and foremost, but right. we've already talked that up, right? Yeah. Go get healed yourself. But secondly, like sometimes it's like, I don't know how. I don't know what to say to my babies so mm-hmm. that they realize what's safe, what's not safe, all these things. Because what happens is, you know, people just say, oh, you're just not going to the sleepover. Yeah. Or, no, nah, mm-hmm. we don't go over other people's house that I don't know the parents at, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Well, you get to know the parents, mama, so that you're not stunting your baby's social development and yeah. growth, right? But here's how we do it with our, our really little ones. You know, I'm thinking age groups, five and under. We talk about safe touch, right? Mm-hmm. Like where... Are people allowed to touch? Is, can they touch your hands if you say it's okay? Absolutely. Should they put their hands like on your behind or in your private parts? You know, I would be very specific with penis versus like um, vagina or vulva, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there are some parents who will say like, oh, don't let nobody touch your pootie. And it's like, don't let them touch your cookie. What the hell is it? So what happens is, and you've seen it, Alessandra, we both yeah. have seen this, where little kids go to school and somebody has touched their vagina, their penis, their privates, right? And they go to the teacher and say, somebody touched my cookie. And it's like, well, you know, let's let's put the cookie back in the bag and yeah. let's put it in your lunchbox. And it's like, no, my cookie. And the teacher can't even meet your kid 
where they're at because yeah. you haven't coached your child on what their body parts are. Yeah. Penis is not a bad word. Right. My kids are learning penis. Because it's what we have. <laughs> it is. It's natural, right? Mm-hmm. We don't... I well, mean, not me. I mean, it's not she natural. Said, I said it's what we have, penis. I Then I had to remember I don't have a penis. Thank you <laughs> for sharing about your sexuality. I appreciate it. You might have had a penis, and I just didn't know I about it. I never right? had like, a penis. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Nobody asked her that. But at the end of the day... These parts are what, gen- in general, we have. God, somebody, let's get let's get her up. Okay, here. all right, all right. So safe touch, so, safe touch, safe touch, and and who's safe? Correct. Because not everybody, but somebody, right? Right. I love my pediatrician mm-hmm. because when she has to check my baby's private parts, she will like open and she'll say like, "Can I?" Well, before she opens, let me just say, "Can I?" Look in your pants because I'm a doctor. We need to make sure everything's okay. But only mom should be able to look and make sure everything's okay. Only doctor should be able to look. Is this okay? Right? And so she asks for permission. And then she looks and she says, all done. Right? And lets my kid know that it's safe and that she's not being inappropriate. And mommy has that conversation mm-hmm. in, in addition to that at home. Yeah. Right? But but here here's, this is important. And I don't want to, when we talk about safe touch, we also have to be very specific with who is safe touch. So I got to have that conversation with my child and the safe touch people because it may not be everybody. Maybe mommy can look at private and touch private if necessary and daddy and auntie Kim, whoever Kim is, auntie Kim, but nobody else. Or the doctor and auntie Kim and mommy, maybe mommy's a single parent, but it has to be specific because if not, if it's just grandma, auntie, uncle, cut, because it's family, then I'm now trusting and maybe I shouldn't be that wide open with the, the trusting people. I encourage you to also take it a step further. Like, what should we be doing with those parts? Yes. Right? Like, even if auntie is allowed to, like, check your parts or change your diet, whatever it is, they should not be putting anything inside of your parts. Right. Right? Whether that's a body part or an object. Nobody should be doing that. Even right. mommy and daddy cannot be doing that. Right. And if that does happen, here we go. Here's the kicker. If that does happen, you need to come and tell mommy so I can help. And no and so matter. I can stop that. And and somebody might tell you, if you tell, I'm going to hurt your mommy. Like we have yeah. to unfortunately have those conversations to say, even if they tell you they're going to hurt mommy, mommy can take them. That's so sweet. Mommy yeah, got it's em. true. You know what I'm saying? They because need to know. Ki- yeah, because kids, kids naturally want to protect mommy and daddy. All right. So um, Shelby is speaking about being overprotective, and I want because we're talking about sexual trauma. I want you to understand hypervigilance is a symptom of trauma. So PTSD. Can, can I break down real quick what hypervigilance sure. yeah. is? Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know that word, it really, um, basic terms, just means being on edge, like being very like sensitive to what's happening around you mm-hmm. or um, just, sometimes people call it like being paranoid. Mm-hmm. Um, that, it kind of just embodies being on edge about something. Yeah. It's always looking. I am always looking yes. for something to go wrong. Not being able to turn it off. Like breaking down the words at their very root. Vigilant, to look, to be looking. Hyper, I am overly, you know, you've already had the hyper kid. We're like, sit down. 
down somewhere. We're just so yeah. dang that behind You're doing too much. Like, you're doing too much. And so you're doing too much while you're looking. You're looking for way too much. So hypervigilant. Like, that's the... That's the you know the hood breakdown of hypervigilance. It wasn't hood. That was that was pretty Webster. Much. That was pretty Webster. <laughs> Go ahead. And so PTSD has other um, symptoms as well. Um, so there's fear um, it, that leads to that. What Shelby's talking about the paranoia, and you may have flashbacks or your startle response. You know how like somebody walks in the room and you don't hear them coming and you jump. That's your startle response. And so you're jumpy. Um, you may have dreams and you try to avoid and you become irritable. And all of, that, all of that is important to know because if you're experiencing those things, then you can't be present to teach your children. And so healing from PTSD, we are, I, apparently Shelby, we're doing a therapy commercial today because if you have PTSD, you're really going to need some help. And let's be fair, a lot of people hear PTSD and they think of veterans yeah. and war heroes and things like that. And it's kind of like, y'all, PTSD, this means you had a trauma yeah. and you're trying to heal from it and it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that, That's it, right? Yeah. Way and, to break it down. I like yeah, it. Thank you. Yeah. And so the, the sexual assault is a trauma. But yeah, so all of those things could be happening, but the big one is avoidance. Yeah. Um, we're trying to avoid having our children be assaulted again, but we're avoiding the conversation. Mm-hmm. And what happens when we avoid conversation is that we recreate voicelessness yeah. in our children. Yeah. Right. We say, oh, you ain't going over there. Well, but why, mom? Why, mom? Why can't? Because I said so. Yeah. All right. So I can't ask questions. Right. I can't share how I'm feeling about this. I I'm not allowed to have thoughts. Like what? You're creating voicelessness. Yeah. So now you're not safe for your babies. Now if they get assaulted, God forbid, you're 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 they're just as alone as you were. Yeah. Now we're all dysfunctional. Yeah. You are kind of naturally. <sighs> and nobody's talking about the real stuff. So here's nope. what we want you to take away. Here's our final gem. And we thank you for all the tuning in that you've done on sexual assault. Um, Parents, we cannot break curses if we don't heal our own. We got to heal our own trauma and we got to be direct. So you can't indirectly talk about it. You can't be like, well, this thing kind of happened to me and maybe I, you know, was uncomfortable. What are you saying? Somebody touched me and... They touched me in a way that was inappropriate, and I felt very uncomfortable. And the person that touched me, I really trusted them. And it was my uncle and blah, 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 blah. Like, talk it out. Age appropriate. And, and be direct in the sense that, like, and this is what it's. This is what my life has looked like because of that. Yeah. And I don't want you to experience that. Yeah. Right? And, and so let's open up the conversation. But I want to point out, you know, it's not just um, parents. It's grandparents, right? Yeah. Even if you're an older parent and you have adult parents or adult children, I'm sorry, that are parents, this is how we start breaking it down. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind that everybody can act in this way towards this uh, towards this trauma. It could be affecting your marriage. It could be affecting your church uh, life, your friendships. It can affect everything. So yeah. let's kind of take a hold of it and, and do with it as we should and heal up. Go get your support. Yeah. And, and hopefully you guys got a lot out of this topic today. Hopefully we want you to walk in health and we watch, want you to walk in wholeness. So go be healthy. Go be whole. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.